there's that. Um, okay, so let's talk about socially connected. Where did this come from? Well, uh, I was gone, as you know, uh, um, for about 10 weeks on a sabbatical recently. And um, on my time away, uh, you know, I really tried to disconnect. And so I didn't get on social media at all, um, which was really refreshing. I tell you, it was, it was kind of nice. And um, we would go to all kinds of different churches and I would tell, you know, we'd try to kind of slip in and just kind of slip out. And I would tell Amy and Thomas, please don't say that we were in ministry or anything like that, you know, um, and try not to connect. And um, while that was refreshing for a short time, it was also, it reminded me how much I love you guys. And how important it is to have deep connections, to have a community and a place of belonging. Um, you know, you can get very lonely very, very quickly. And when I looked into God's word about this, about, you know, loneliness and about this, this lack of connection, I looked, well, first I looked at culture and uh, how superficial <laughs> a lot of the connections that we do have are. What does the Bible have to say about this? And it actually has a whole lot to say about that as far as um, uh, how we come together. And um, as I think Larry prayed, I don't know if you noticed that like the world is kind of falling apart. It's going to take a whole lot more than superficial connections to hold us together. And so we're going to go spend the next three weeks, we're going to go into God's word, we're going to look at how do we really connect, how we find those deep connections in a superficial age and in such a way that we're actually building the kingdom, right? That we're actually growing in, in discipleship, which we say we're about. Right, what is the word of God? How can we begin to apply that, that level of true connection in our lives today. Now, the memory verse that we have for us today talks about that. Uh, John thirteen thirty four. Jesus, uh, he, he's talking about we have these deeper connections, and uh, this is what he has to say. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my, disi- my disciples if you love one another. Now, I know it's long, but it repeats, right? And when Jesus is repeating himself, usually it's because uh, he's telling us something important. He's like, don't miss this. So I don't know if you caught on to maybe what Jesus is telling us to do here in this, but we're going to memorize it so that way eventually it might reveal itself to you. That's an amazing thing. But also realize this. Look at, there's a couple words in there that tell us that this is not his, his great suggestion for us. A command. Like this is, you must. Do you hear that, see that word Must. And he tells us how we're to do it, doesn't he? He gives us the example. Jesus said, love me, right? He says, love each other. How do we do it? As I have loved you. There's so much in this. It's so powerful. (laughs) that If we begin to really practice, obey this, this is amazing, right? How do we get to that point where we can really love one another? And how does that make a difference in our life? And, and, you know, to start with, I think we have to look at why that's so important. Did you know that uh, between 1985 and 2004, there's a Duke University study that came out that revealed that the number of people who said that they, were, they had no one to discuss deep things with tripled in, in the United States. And, and it's up to like 25% at that point. They said they had zero people in their life. That's one in four people. <laughs> and that was a few years ago. That's 2004. They said they had no one that they could discuss deep things in life. Their entire connection with humanity was superficial. One in four. You know, actually, it's, it's gotten worse than that. Uh, the uh, um, World Health Organization suggest, uh, estimated that one in three Americans suffer from acute, severe loneliness. One in three. That's today. Now, did you know that the American Psychological Association actually has listed loneliness as a clinical disease? Disease. 
which is kind of good that it can be treated, but it's pretty significant that it has such profound effects emotionally and physically that it is actually a disease. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that, that uh, what are some of these effects? Well, if you are a lonely person, if you suffer from loneliness, you are two times more likely to die from trauma and illness than somebody who's not lonely. Same illness, same kind of disease, anything like that. If you have somebody who cares about you, you're twice as likely to recover. If you don't have somebody, we just give up. And then say that, uh, that loneliness, clinical loneliness, is worse on your health than obesity. It's, uh, it's, uh, it predisposes us to a variety of physical and mental health issues. Loneliness is a big thing, and a lot of people suffer from it. A lot of people statistically here suffer from it. And we never shame somebody for suffering from something. Instead, we want to give you hope. That Christ came and he designed us in a certain way that we wouldn't suffer from these things, but he also gives a solution. There is a way that we can, that we can overcome this. There is a cure. And the Bible talks a whole lot about that cure. Remember, so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks discussing. What is it? How do we overcome this? How do we draw those deep connections? Because I'll tell you, life is not easy and we need deeper connections. And we've discovered that, uh, that there's this truth that's there that all people need to belong to be known and to be loved. And that didn't just come from me. That was from the American Psychological Association where they said, how, what is at the root of this loneliness? And yet the root of loneliness is, is there's one of these needs or more that are not being met in a person's life. They don't, they don't sense a, a sense of belonging. They don't feel known. They are not loved. When we don't have these things in our life, we fall apart. And so uh, it's important for us to be able to look and say, this is how God designed us. Where do we find this? What does the Bible say about belonging or being known or being loved? Is there a solution? Is there an answer? And there is. And so today we're going to start off by examining the most obvious solution to loneliness, and that is fellowship. And I know fellowship is a churchy word, but it's an awesome thing, right? We are a fellowship of believers. <laughs> All right, what does that mean? Well, the first thing we understand when we say we're a fellowship, is it means belonging. That's what it means. When we say we're a fellowship, we, you, you, there's a sense of belonging here. Now, um, all of us belong to something. We know that. And belonging matters to us. That's why we do crazy things. Like, you think about your school, like your alma mater, right? Where you went. Don't you have a sense of pride uh, that you went there? I think of my brother. He just came back from Florida, which is a good time to come to Colorado from Florida, by the way, uh, to go to a CSU game because that's where he graduated. He and his wife graduated. And so they dress up in all green and they have their Ram stuff on and all of this. And they come together in a big stadium all together, all in green to root on their team, right? There's a sense of belonging together. They walk through, you know, the, the parking lots and the tailgate parties. And if you're wearing green and, and, and stuff, then you're welcome, right? You, you belong there, right? We, we do all kinds of, we, we join clubs, right? Groups to, to feel like I'm part of something. People do crazy things to belong, don't they? We all do. And because there's something deep inside of us, a deep need that so we have to be there. But, you know, really as people, we don't have to always go out and do something crazy. First, we need to look at the fact that we already belong. And for starters, all people belong to this great club called humanity, globally, right? Like, when somebody is hurting across the world, when we have catastrophes that happened, and, uh, you know, like when we had the big earthquakes and, and things, or floods or tsunamis, and we see these things on the news, our, our heart breaks for other people for no other reason than that they are human beings. And there's a compassion that we have towards one another just based on that, right? And there's a sense of compassion that we ought to have for one another in this, that we belong together. 
But more than that, is think of less than globally, nationally. Isn't there a sense of belonging you have with other Americans? You ever gone to another country and then you see another American, you're like, ah! They might even be from California or some weird place like that and you still like them, right? You're like, we belong, right? We, we have this something in common. It's a big deal. And spiritually, even on this earth, right, we have that sense of connection with other Christians, I've been in Turkey, I've been in Ukraine, even in Hawaii. There are Christians, there are believers there. And as soon as we see them, there's a sense of fellowship, isn't there? A sense of belonging. You don't have to earn it. You get there and there's something wonderful about we're in this. There's a fellowship, a kindness, a compassion that, that happens in it. It's, if we are here this morning, you are Christ, you belong. And that's something you didn't even have to earn. It's just understanding that, that you actually should be here. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, twelve twenty seven says, now you're part of the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Think how amazing that is. That, think about your body. What part of your body are you just going to cast off? What part of your body wasn't well thought out before it was put in? You belong. Isn't it awesome that God said, you know, just show up and if you don't show up, then no big deal. He's like, you are part of the body. You matter. Your presence matters. You as a person, you matter. You belong here. And he made you perfectly to fit together with other people. Remember we had all those memory verses about that, how God makes all the parts fit perfectly together so that each part, as it does its own special work, the whole body is healthy and is growing and is filled with love. You were one of the parts. He designed you. He created a space for you. He made you perfectly to fit into, into his kingdom. And so you belong. It's not a superficial sense of belonging that we have that it's like some club that you can be part of like AAA and then you let your membership expire and then they don't miss you, right? You belong here. And everybody else has benefited from you being here. Every one of us. That's part of being connected. Ah, that's a wonderful thing. But you know, it's not just globally that we, we belong in the body of Christ. Locally you belong in the body of Christ. And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is a fascinating book because it was written under a time when the Christians were undergoing extreme persecution. I mean, the, the Romans at that point were, were executing Christians in mass. And it was very dangerous for Christians to come together and to meet together and to worship as God tells us to do. In fact, doing that put not only their own lives at risk, but everybody else they knew and associated with. And even in the midst of that, the scripture tells us that getting together and, and coming together, having that is so important. It says, even in those circumstances, it says, and let us consider then how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some in the habit of doing. And he goes on to say, but instead encourage one another more and more as you see the day approaching. And we have floods and fires and, and earthquakes and rumors of war. The day is approaching. And it has been since then. This is still true for us. It doesn't always easy to come together. But it's important that we're here because you belong. That is crucial. And when we forget that, I think then we substitute this, this deep belonging to something more superficial in this world. And we don't live for deeper things. And we feel like our lives are untethered and afloat. Have you ever felt that way? You belong. That's why it feels right when you come. 
I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes like when I was on my sabbatical, it'd be Sunday morning. I'm like, man, I don't want to go to church. I know I'm a pastor, right? I, wa- I don't want to go to church. I want to just sleep in. I want to have a nice, but then you go and you f- it feels so good. And you're so glad that you were there. There's a reason for that. We were made to connect. We were made to have that sense of love and fellowship. You belong. But you know, you don't just belong to this church. You know, you belong to God. That's an amazing thing if you think about it. And God wants us to be connected to him. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to see something that's really cool. It's in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. If you don't have a Bible, you've got lots of them in the back. You can uh, use one of those. It's on page 720. If you need a Bible, keep it. Our gift to you. Um, just use it. Um, but you know that in, in the church, it's like a big group, Right? And so a lot of times you come here in this big group and you feel like, I want to be a disciple, right? I want to be discipled. And so I want to come in, I want to have this belonging. You do belong here, but there's a deeper level of belonging that God calls you to. And so and I think it's important for us to look at this because Jesus is setting an example for us. In, in Luke 6, starting verse 12, it says, In those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him. Now, at first we think when he calls disciples to him, he's talking about the 12. But he can't just be talking about the 12 because of what happens next. He's talking about the whole group of people that was following him. All of them were his disciples. But out of all that big group of people that were following him, it says when he called his disciples to him, he chose 12 of them. Clearly there were more than 12. So he takes his congregation and out of them he chooses 12 of them who he designated to be apostles and he goes on later you can find as he goes through this he names them he gets each of them by name and he disciples them he makes disciples of these 12 that's where discipleship took place in a small group you understand that in the body of christ we do have this congregation and you belong here but you don't just belong here because later on jesus says to his disciples he says go make disciples how did he make disciples It was in deep relationship, wasn't it? It was in small group. It was in that small group that those 12 guys got to really know each other. And you think about how diverse that group was. I mean, you look in this list of names and it's pretty crazy. Then you have Peter, right, Simon, and his brother Andrew. So you've got brothers in a group, and we know how they always get along. But they're also business partners, right? But then you also have James and John, same profession, but also kind of boisterous guys. Philip, Bartholomew, you have Matthew, and we think about Matthew in his life, about he was you know, uh, charging taxes on his own people. But then, who else do we have in there? Uh, we have Thomas, you've got a skeptic, a guy who like, really wants to know all the facts. We have in here James, the son of Alphaeus, and then you have Simon, the zealot. Now you've got a guy who is a political activist, also fellowshipping with a tax collector. You've got guys in there who are in business alongside blue-collar workers, who are fishermen. You've got all the whole spectrum. And over the next three years, as they got to know each other, they got to love each other, care for one another. That is deep relationship. See, relationship requires trust, right? The deeper the, you know, the, the, the trust, the deeper the relationship. And you can't trust all of these people, right? It's pretty unwise to go into a large group, a large congregation, and just say, hey, here's all of my biggest weaknesses because one or two people aren't mature enough yet. They will stab you in the back. It just will happen, right? You have to get to be known. 
That's why like, if you go into a small group and you join one and, and, you, and you spend time and you invest in each other, after, there comes a point at which you begin to not just like each other, but you actually begin to care for one another. There's a time at which, you know, you show up and people, they can just tell from the countenance on your face that you had an awesome day and they want to hear about it because you just got an extra, you know, a little step in your, you know, get up in your step or something. Or you, they could tell you had a really rough day. You didn't have to say it. The time in those types of groups when people are compelled to help you, not out of obligation, but out of desire. Because their hearts are already with you. And you're free to build that depth of relationship because it's smaller. You are able to earn that level of trust. And does it happen instantly? No, it took Jesus three years, right? Making disciples. So there's a commitment to it. There's a commitment to relationship. And I guarantee there were days when the zealot really didn't like the tax collector. But they chose to be together because Christ had called them. And I'll tell you the same thing in our ministry in our life. There are days that you're not going to want to connect. There are days that it's going to be hard to get together with brothers and sisters in Christ. But we stay with it because we are called. That's what it means being disciples of Jesus that makes disciples of Jesus. We do it. See, life groups are where disciples are made. The larger group is where disciples come together to serve God. This is why it's called a worship service. Not because we serve you, it's because together we serve the Lord. We bring him glory, we honor him, we praise him, right? But growing deep in faith requires a deep relationship. And that's why we have those. But it's not just being uh, belonging. Uh, We also have that sense of, of being known. And fellowship is all about being known, isn't it? A fellowship is, is more than just like, well, you're an acquaintance. It's somebody that actually, uh, people know who you are. They know what you're about. And we all want to be known, don't we? I think that's why people sign up for Facebook in mass. Millions and millions, billions of people sign up and they post things that you're just astonished that they would tell anybody, much less the world. Why do they give these windows into their lives? They're dying to be known. It's part of who we are. We want to be known. I remember when I was uh, going through Bible college and I worked at the bank and um, we had, there's different kinds of employees and some of the people, um, they, would, they would go and they would do their job and it, as soon as their shift was over, they'd punch out and they would leave and there was no relationship with really anybody in the office. Nothing more than just what is absolutely professional, right? But that was it, right? The, whatever they must give, that was all. But then everything was somewhere else and they were gone. And, might be surprised to you, but I'm kind of a connector. I like the people. If I'm figuring I'm going to work around them, might as well like them, right? And so there's other group of folks that we got to know each other and we got to care for one another. And, and we, you know, something was interesting to me is that those who connected were more successful. Because at my job, it wasn't that I was just working isolated. I got to know the people that I was around. I cared for them, right? We were able to help each other. There was a, there was a, a fact that some of those times that I would go above and beyond for somebody else is because I cared for them. Right? And there was times that they would do the same thing for me. We wanted to see each other succeed. And those who felt a sense of that they were known, a sense of connection, tended to stay in the business longer, but they also succeeded in the business more. Is, there's something about being known. There's power in it, isn't there? And we have that deep desire. And so social networks are, are I think, one of the things that we have tool that we've tried to in society to use to, to help be known. But the problem is, is you don't really know somebody if, you, if you're their friend on Facebook. doesn't mean you know them. You're seeing snapshots of a life. That's all you're seeing. Usually the highlight reel. 
we have to be known to know that somebody cares for us deeply. And, and that requires, I think, like we talked about before, trust. To really be vulnerable, to be open up, to let somebody know your, your greatest desires, right? Your, your biggest dreams. Some of them might be crazy, but so you just kind of keep them to yourselves. But for someone to know who you really are and your quirky sense of humor and, and all of those things and your fears and, and to, to know that you're not perfect and still like you anyway, that requires vulnerability. And vulnerability requires trust. And, well, trust requires a deep relationship. And, you know, I have a lot of people who come to our church over the years and they say, you know what, um, I've been here a long time and I just don't feel like I'm known. And that's really sad, right? Where they say, well, I, I want to leave the church because I've been here, I've been coming to church. They come because they want to be known. They show up on Sunday. They might come very faithfully for two, three months. They might even go and join a ministry or something like this. And after a while, they're like, if I don't show up, no one would even notice. Now understand, once our church got bigger than 50 people, it was impossible for you to come in and to know everybody in a deep way. It just is so, you can't do it. And so uh, as we grow, and God wants more than 50 people in the kingdom, can we agree to that? As we grow, we have to be intentional about how we get to know each other. And so that's part of why our life groups are important. That's why we do that. That's why we get together in smaller groups so you can trust one another. Right? If you come... uh, the larger congregation was never meant to disciple. It was meant to come together and worship. But you need to be known. You need deep relationships. And so if you're in that group, if you're feeling like I am not known, like I've been here and I'm discouraged, the solution isn't to abandon. It's to dive in deeper. Look at something that God has for you. And um, brought this up. Psalm 139. Jesus, or God says in Psalm 139, says, I have, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know, when I sit down, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You ever had a friend who could finish your sentences for you? A kind of close friend that you have there? Our God is like that. That's why he says he's a friend closer than a brother. Our God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And we're all like, of course he does, right? But, but really let that sink in. When you come here together in fellowship, you are never alone here. Our God knows you and he is with you. And you might be struggling with things right now, but you're not carrying it alone. Our God is with you and he knows about it and he cares about you. He knows your very thoughts. An amazing thing. Now, of course, we know relationships are best when they're two-way. Isn't it awesome to get to know God? To be able to know his thoughts from afar? Well, we get that. That's part of this. And we'll talk next week about how more we get into his heart in this. You are known. But being known just by God isn't enough. Remember when there was Adam and Eve in the garden and and everything was perfect and Adam still wasn't happy? There's a level at which we need companionship. We need to be known. And so we have to connect. And to understand that when we come to a church, we we have to be able to, to intentionally begin to build deeper relationships. Those 12 that Jesus called that we read, do you think that they had to make a decision of whether or not they're going to, to live together and, you know, camp out for the next three years? Yeah, it wasn't something like they just fell into it. It was, it was a conscious decision. It cost them something. And I'll tell you, in order to build this relationship, you can't just show up on Sunday and then have it cost you very little and then go away. You're going to have to give up your most precious commodity, which is time. You're going to have to make that a priority. And it helps one another, doesn't it? 
You have to say this is important and you need it and it is the solution and it's very to this, this deep level of loneliness that is, that is plaguing our people. You have to say, I'm going to connect. I'm going to make time to connect. I'm going to do this. As we do that, we grow deeper, right? People get to know you and you will be known and you will get to know others in a deep and a wonderful way. And so that's a, a huge thing that we have. But then we also know that knowing isn't just enough because people can know you and hate you. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever got to know somebody and just be like, oh, that can't stand that person. The more I know them, right? And God can love them. And that's, that's, that's good. But we also want to be loved, right? And I think that's the real fear of being known. We have this desire to be known, but then we also have this fear of rejection that if somebody knows us, they won't really like us. Well, that's the power, I think, of of what God gives us in the church. There is a sanctifying power of of God and the Holy Spirit. We have something in common. We are fellow believers. I love the fact that Christians, we start at the point that we all messed up, right? So there's nobody's perfect. But we start there. And so if you're not perfect, I'm like, that doesn't surprise me. You struggle? Guess what? (laughs) All of us do. There is grace for me, which means there's grace for you. There's a different kind of love that we have, that, uh, that empowers the church to draw a deeper level of connection I think you can find in any other place. That's why it's so beautiful. See, it's good to be known. It's good to belong. But love, so what is love? Love is caring for somebody else more than you care for yourself. We really bring it down to it, right? It's being concerned for another above being concerned for your own. Jesus showed us what love was. And so we know what love is because what he did. What did Jesus do for us? He cared for us and our needs more than he cared for himself. He laid down his life, didn't need to, because we needed him to. Love. And so being in Christ, we get to express that to other people. We need to know others so that we can care for them. And we need to be known by others so we can be cared. It's hard to really love somebody that you don't know. You ever notice that? I mean, Jesus, even your enemies, you know them, right? Jesus says you can love your enemies, but it's really hard to love people that we have no idea who they are. So we must be known and so we can love. John thirteen thirty four. A wonderful verse where you think says, a new command I give you, love one another. To be loved. And he tells us, as I have loved you. So we are called then in relationship to love one another. And it's, not, it's on the big thing as a church. We go and we serve the world. Yes, pretty soon we're going to be helping out with those in, in flood recoveries and hurricane recoveries and possibly fire recoveries. We're going to love other people and strangers and stuff too. We're going to go out and care for them. But there is a deeper way, a more long and profound way that you need to love and to be loved. You need to have people who know you and you know them. You have to serve people in their life. Not because it's just the right thing to do, but because you care for them. I think so many times in my life group, there would be times where one of us would be having just going through something horrible. And it wasn't just like, oh, well, we'll pray for you, brother. You know, go, warm, you know, go home, be well fed, right? And No, there is something because I, I know this person deeply and I know the rest of the story. I know everything they're going on and I know how I can help. But you know, there's something else too that we have in, in our ability to love one another. So Jesus says, as, you have, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That type of sacrificial love, it's hard to receive, isn't it? I think there's been times in my life where I've needed help. And in, I like to give help because it's more fun, right? But to receive love from other people is difficult and requires trust. And I've discovered that during those times when I've needed to receive help, the people I could receive it from were the very people that other times in my life, they've allowed me to care for them. Because then it wasn't just charity. Right? I didn't feel pitied. I felt cared for. 
there is a bond, a unity that begins to grow in that, and those relationships are, are phenomenal. And you're invited into that. And so if you are here today and you don't have that sense of connection, the solution isn't that you, that you can't have that or that somehow you're defective or that you can't trust or, or that the church can't provide it. It's that you need to go deeper. You're being called into a deeper type of relationship so that you can truly begin to love other people in a new and a profound way, so that you can also receive love in a new and profound way, something that you may have never experienced before in all of your life. And it's wonderful. And I'll tell you, as this world spools apart, the church, it says, you know, if we love one another, the rest of the everybody is going to know we're his disciples. And this is a time that people need to know who God is and how great he is and how much he loves them. To set ourselves in that point, we must begin to love one another, which means that we're going to need to grow into fellowship. And so my challenge for us and for you is to look in your life and to see where, where is it that you can go deeper? Are you lonely? Admit it. And then know that there's a place here, there's a church here who, where you belong. There's a place here, that ch- a God who knows you and calls you anyway and says, you know what, you need to be known here. And there's a way that you can connect. A God who says he loves you and is going to provide a place for you also to love others. It's a good thing. So how do we put this into practice? Well, if you take out your connection cards, I've got some ideas. On the back side, I always like to give you a couple of, of head start things that you might want to do. Maybe the first thing you need to do is memorize John 13, 34 this week. And as you memorize it, think about what it says. What does it mean to love others in your life? How are you fulfilling this command? How are you loving like Christ does? And if you need help with that, think about it. What would that look like? What does it mean? Think about this. Memorize it. What a wonderful command. Or maybe for you, you need some encouragement from the word. And I will tell you this. You should read Psalm 139. If you are lacking a sense of belonging, if you are lacking a sense of, of, of being known or being loved, let the word of God, the truth of God, minister to your heart this week. Read Psalm 139. Spend time with it. Don't just read it quickly, but understand this is, God had it recorded for a purpose. And he's there to speak to your heart. Or maybe this, maybe you should just talk to someone new. That seems like such a simple, small thing, but it's terrifying for most of us, isn't it? I realize if one in three Americans have clinical loneliness, it's really hard to break out of that. They need people to care enough to go into their life and to say, hey, I see you. And you never know. Pray about it. Go into talk. It's not just at church. It's at your, it's at your work. Or maybe it's at Safeway while you're waiting in line, right? And maybe it's while you're downtown. I don't know, but say, so, you know what, this week, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break out of my comfort zone. I'm going to stop just concerning me, and I'm going to be able to start seeing other people. Greet them. Let them know that they're seen. It's important practice. Also, maybe this, maybe you need to do is join or lead or host a life group this fall. If you're not connecting and you're not growing deeper, this is, is so vital. We say we're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. This is where that discipleship really begins to take shape. And so it needs to become priority. And so I'm encouraging. I know it's going to take time and things. Own your schedule. We all have 24 hours. Make the most important things the most important things. And if that is you, this is your encouragement. Make that happen. I said we've got Kelly and Mary have done a great job helping us coordinate those things. But really we need you to be able to connect and to grow deep. And then as we grow deep, God does cool things, doesn't he? So those are your challenges. If there's something on there that connects with you, let us know. I'll be praying for you this week. If there's something else, put it down there for me. Um, I will also try to support you the absolute the best way I can. If you've got a prayer request, write it down because we pray for you 
and I love to pray for you. If you, I know how to pray for you, it makes it even, uh, I think, more effective, right? Because then we, I can actually see where that prayer was answered and it's really cool. Or you know what, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you just haven't had that point where you can't think of time in your life where you've accepted him, you've been saved by his grace through your faith. You haven't believed or confessed or repented, been baptized, you, you know, been discipled. You, have, you can't think of a time in your life where, where you've, you've uh, professed your faith in Christ. I, and, you, and, and you would like to have a God who knows you and loves you, a God who, uh, who provides a place for you, a God who makes a place for you to belong. If that's you, then let me know. Say, I'd like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. It means you would like more information. And if you give me your contact information, we'll get together. We'll talk to you. We'll talk about what does it mean to be a Christian and answer some of your questions and and explore some new ones. And and I'll help you take those steps of faith and faithfulness when you're ready. And uh, it's a great thing. I'll tell you, that's a decision you will never, ever regret. It's a great one. So any one of those decisions or anything else, let us know. Here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, please take these connection cards and put them in the offering basket as it's passed and uh, along with your tithes and your gifts. And uh, uh, we would sure appreciate it. Now let's take a second. Let's pray for our, our commitments and our offerings and then we will close with a, a time of worship. So let's do that now. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for you and your love and your kindness. Thank you, you're a God that you don't just, you're not just a God uh, uh, that is love, but you're a God who teaches us and helps us to love one another. And Lord, we suffer from selfishness, which isolates us and makes us lonely and miserable. And Father, it hurts us and hurts the world around us. And Lord, we need a different way. We've got to think of a different way of doing things. So Father, I thank you that your word guides us. And, and it seems so simple and so scary at the same time. Father, help us to connect. Father, I pray that we would be a church that fulfills that new command. Let us be a place where we love one another. As you have loved us, I pray that you would bless us in such a way that we could love one another. So that everyone would know that we're truly your disciples because we love one another. May that be true in us. And Father, for the commitments that we make here today, help us to keep them in a way that draws us closer to you. Father, I pray for the tithes and the offerings. Again, Father, those are just a a gift back from what you've given us, an expression of our dependence on you, knowing that you're the God who gives us security in this very insecure world. And Lord, over this series, I pray that you help us to connect deeply. So Father, your kingdom can grow in us and be built in us and through us into this world who needs it so badly, God. Lord, help us to be a people that love one another. We ask all of this. We pray your blessing on it in Christ's name. Amen.